My name is Mimi Bouchard, and I'm a personal development junkie that is here to help you transform your life so that you can truly tap into your ultimate potential. I'm a meditation teacher and a podcaster, and in this podcast, I am raw, I am real, and I share everything I possibly can to make this journey of self-discovery and transformation easier for you. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have Lissa Rankin, Dr. Lissa Rankin. Uh, Lissa is an amazing human. She is a researcher when it comes to all things sacred medicine, and her new book is coming out in April 2022, and it is called Sacred Medicine, A Doctor's Quest to Unravel the Mysteries of Healing by Dr. Lissa Rankin. She is just such a hub of knowledge, and I cannot wait to dive into your story. Lisa, and talk about your new book coming out, talk about incredible radical remissions and all of all of the work that you study. I'm so interested in, in hearing all of all of your knowledge and for the audience to be introduced to you. Oh, thank you. It's just a delight to be here, Mimi. And thank you to everybody else who's listening. Amazing. So I'd love to kind of start this podcast episode, hearing a little bit about your story, your background, how you got into this field of medicine and anything that you've seen in your life that has proven to you to, to maybe research deeper, to look deeper and to prove to you that there is uh, potentially this, this unseen force uh, that, that none of us can see, but we can feel that could help us heal our bodies and, and our minds. Oh gosh, that's <laughs> that, that would that's the story. I literally wrote a book called The Anatomy of a Calling of like how did I end up here? Um because it's a long story, but to to try to make it sort of brief, uh I was raised in a very kind of conventional household in that my father was a physician. It was very much like all science all the time except for my fundamentalist Christian mother <laughs> who was all spirit all the time and never the two shall meet. And I went into, I left the church at 18 because I was so triggered by the, you know, the racism and the homophobia and the judgment and the sort of limited thinking of the, the religious right. And, but I, you know, was very much in the sort of mainstream academia. I went to Duke University and Northwestern, places like that, sort of the ivory towers of conventional medicine. And I really believed in conventional medicine. And I practiced as a conventional OBGYN for eight years. And every year I got more and more depressed and more and more sick. And I wound up taking seven medications that my doctors told me would I would require for the rest of my life. And by the time I was pregnant and 35, I was suicidal. And, you know, the fact that I was carrying a child might have been the only thing that saved my life at that point. And there were many things leading up to that, including that my father was terminally ill and my brother was sick in the ICU. And there was a whole bunch of um really really painful things happening in my personal life and a lot of trauma um but i also was experiencing what uh what burnout researchers in medicine are now calling moral injury which is a term that was originally designed to describe uh return war veterans who you know were following orders they were doing what they were told to do and yet they were being asked to do things that violated their morals violated their ethics and their integrity um by for example you know killing civilians and i i wasn't intentionally killing civilians but it's also true that conventional medicine is the third highest cause of death in the united states prior to covid and i just knew that there was more 
more to medicine than I was able to figure out how to practice inside the conventional medical system. And part of that was just a matter of time. When I started my job in 1999, I was expected to see 25 patients a day. And by the time I quit in 2007, I was expected to see 40 patients a day in the same amount of time, which meant that I was double booked in 15-minute slots. And the reality is, I don't care how good a healer you are, you can't do healing work in seven and a half minutes. And so... I remember very vividly um, one situation with a patient where the patient had very lovingly confronted me by saying, you know, doctor, I really like you. You're a great doctor. You've been wonderful to me over the years, but it took me a year to get up the nerve to come to see you today to talk about this very sensitive gynecologic issue, and I had to psych myself out for it. And the whole time I was just waiting for you to take your hand off the door, and you never did, and so I didn't tell you. And I just burst into tears. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I mean, even as I'm saying that, I get a little choked up because there were so many situations like that where people needed me to sit down and take my hand off the door and really listen to what was, to to how they were suffering and why they were suffering and what was going on in their lives and what, what else was happening besides the symptoms that they were experiencing, what was happening at the time that those symptoms began and what happened in their childhood and all of that. And I didn't know how to reconcile that. And I also was the only um, breadwinner in the family, and I didn't have another way to pay the bills, and it was going to cost me $150,000 to quit my job because as an OBGYN, you're sort of an indentured servant because of malpractice insurance. So I wound up selling my house and buying my freedom and into the country and beginning my own healing journey. And at first I thought, you know, I just made a mistake. I only went to medical school because of my father. My father had just died. I don't need to be a doctor to impress my father anymore. I'll just be an artist, also a professional artist at the time. And uh, it only took, it's it's funny because looking back, people made fun of me. It was nine months here. I'm an OBGYN and it was nine months after I quit that I started feeling this impulse. Like I can't you know, I, I can quit my job, but I can't quit my calling. And my calling was calling me back. Only I was really clear that I wasn't going to go back to what I was doing. I had no idea what else was out there. And that really began my journey. It kind of began at Esalen Institute in 2008. Um, I'm g- going back to teach uh, my first sacred medicine workshop at Esalen in May. Um, so there's a full circle aspect to this. But I I, I just, I started to expose myself to things that I had never heard about in medical school. I started reading stuff that had been out there for decades, stuff, you know, books written by Bernie Siegel and Rachel Naomi Remen, who wound up becoming my mentor and, you know, Andy Weil and um, all these people that had been doing this work for decades, but I had never heard of other doctors who had come to some conclusions about what really causes disease and what really helps us heal. So I began by sort of catching myself up on what I had missed. And much of that, much of that awareness of the process of healing began, I shouldn't say, I was going to say began at Esalen in the 60s. But of course, this has been widely known in indigenous cultures for, for millennia. So I, I, let's say it, it started hitting the West in the 60s at places like Esalen. And so I started educating myself on that. And one thing led to another. I ended up starting a functional medicine, integrative medicine practice in Mill Valley in the Bay Area. And that was a huge, a huge um, part of my story because, 
you know, I had been a doctor working on the border of the Mexican border with Somali immigrants. I had been working in the inner city of Chicago when I was at Northwestern. You know, I had been working with some very high risk and very sick people. But when I moved to the Bay Area and I'm in this privileged Marin County area, these people had seen the best doctors at Stanford and the best doctors at UCSF, and they had also seen their naturopath and their acupuncturist, and they were doing yoga and working out with their personal trainer. They were eating a raw vegan diet and, you know, taking a million herbs and supplements and meditating every day. And they were, I swear to God, the sickest people I had ever met. Oh my Um, gosh. Can we just (laughs) sit there for a second? First of all, your story is incredible and you are incredible. That's fascinating. What do you, what is responsible for healing? Uh, you know, and we were just talking off air earlier about how there is a perfect medium between conventional medicine and also using your own, uh, you know, healing methods. Uh, so I would love to kind of hear more about your stance when it comes to, uh, what actually causes a spontaneous remission and what factors help uh, someone to heal. Well, this is where, you know, I was telling my story about starting the integrative and functional medicine practice in 2009 in Mill Valley. And this is where I learned, I got like a big piece of my understanding from that practice because I I was in a very different position uh, seeing these patients who were doing everything right. And they should have been the healthiest people on the planet from what I understood about health and healing. And and they weren't. They were some of the sickest people I had ever met. And, you know, so there was very little that I had to offer them with regard to any kind of medicine that I knew. And instead, because because people were paying cash and I was able to spend time with them, I had an hour with patients. And I developed an intake form that was very complete, including asking people about their romantic life, their sex life, their trauma history, you know, their dreams, their goals, their life purpose, their spirituality. And I learned a lot about people from those intake forms. And and I would and usually within five minutes of meeting a new patient, somebody would be in tears. And I just started listening and people were telling me, they would tell me within 15 minutes usually of meeting them, something that was very relevant to why they might be sick. And I started working with people doing something that I, I certainly didn't think of as medicine um, to sort of ask them questions like, what would it take to live a life that your body would love? Or what, what does your body need in order to heal? And they would something would just pop out of them. They would say things like, I need to divorce my abusive husband. Or I need to put my mom in a nursing home. I can't take care of her anymore. Or I need to move to Santa Fe and be an artist and quit this corporate job. And then they'd be shocked and they'd say, oh, no, but I can't do that. And then they'd tell me all the resistance would come up. And so I started working with people around the resistance and digging into the traumas and doing some healing work around that. And people were coming back and saying, oh, my God, I have no symptoms. Like, that's not possible. I've been symptomatic for 10 years. Like, how is it that all of my symptoms are going away? And it wasn't just symptoms. I had patients, for example, like I had one woman that had – an autoimmune disease that impacted her lungs and her heart. And she had severe heart failure, Was had an ejection fraction that was extremely low on echocardiogram and had been told by her cardiologist and her rheumatologist that she would die within five years. She, she didn't qualify for a heart transplant because the underlying condition would have attacked the new heart. And she came back to me and she was like, you're not going to believe this. Look at my echo. I have a normal echocardiogram. And she wanted to go hiking 
prove it. She was like, look, I can, I can hike up that mountain now. And previously she could barely walk. And so it wasn't just like they're feeling better. It was like something was actually reversing what doctors believed to be irreversible disease. And I did not understand what was happening. And I certainly still don't claim any credit for that. It's not like I did that. So I can't say I healed them. And most of those people also don't say I healed myself. It's like something mysterious was happening and I certainly didn't understand it. But I wrote a book um, trying to explain what I was doing with my patients called Mind Over Medicine. And that became a New York Times bestseller and it's in 30 something languages and PBS did a special about it and I did a TED talk about it. Um, and, and so then I started hearing all these stories because that book was very, um, very popular and people started writing to me about all of their stories of these, just what sounded like miracles. Uh, and I really just didn't understand like what was happening with these people. And so I, that was 10 years ago and I began, I began a journey that was really an inquiry to say, wait a minute, what is happening with these people? Is there anything that they're doing to be proactive about these unexpected cures? I was reading the medical literature. There, uh, the Institute of Noetic Sciences put together over 3,000 case studies of quote-unquote spontaneous remission written up by doctors, but not one of them said, well, here's what the patient did. They just kind of acted like it was a fluke, like a a statistical error, like a, a, a fringe margin, but interesting enough to report in the medical literature. And I would read those stories and think, God, I would love to talk to those patients. And people like Kelly Turner and Jeffrey Rediger, um, Kelly at the time was a PhD student at UC Berkeley when I started my research. And Jeff at the time was down at John of God in Brazil researching what was happening at John of God. He's the Harvard physician. Um, and so the three of us were kind of doing our research in parallel, um, and all of us are friends now, uh, and all of us were asking the same question, like, is there anything that we can control? Is there anything that we can influence? Or is it just a fluke? Like, does God just pick someone and say, you get a miracle, but you don't? Like, it didn't make sense to me. So I ended up going on a 10-year pilgrimage to work with Qigong masters from China and Balinese healers and indigenous healers all over the world um, at 15,000 feet in the Andes in Peru, working with Kogi mamas from Colombia, working with Native American healers in the U.S., and working with energy healers and faith healers and ultimately trauma therapists uh, to try to answer that question, like, is there anything beyond conventional medicine, functional medicine, you know, traditional nutrition or what we what we learn about in the wellness world, like all those things that the Marin County people were already doing and they were still sick. Were we, what were we missing? Mm -hmm. And so that's, that sort of became, <laughs> that became a 10 year journey that I wrote about in sacred medicine, trying to, trying to boil it down to like, what are the tools that somebody maybe who has tried everything conventional medicine has to offer. And by all means, I am not in any way like some of those doctors who are out there saying, ignore conventional medicine, don't use it. Like, by all means, if you can take a pill and get cured, do it. You know, if, if a surgery is going to fix your problem, get surgery. Um, I mean, conventional medicine saves lives all the time. It's a 
creates medical miracles all the time. Mm -hmm. But my patient population, the people that I was really interested in were the people like the like the Mill Valley people that had had tried everything. They had done everything they knew how to do and they were still sick. And so, you know, I won't I won't give away all my secrets, but uh I I actually found some really um surprising things, things that certainly were not on the radar of anything anybody ever taught me in medical school and that I also wasn't really hearing about in the yoga world or the wellness industry or even in a lot of the mind-body um, teachings that I had been exposing myself to. So it was absolutely quite a journey for me. <laughs> I um, And I also, you know, I, I'll give the spoiler alert that I, I certainly did not discover a panacea. There, It's not that simple. I certainly can't say, here's I've I've hacked the code of healing and now I can guarantee you a miracle. Like and anybody who tells you that that's possible like run, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um it's a lot about bioindividuality what works for one person might might not work for somebody else and at the end of the day we know there are things that help. Um but I totally agree with you, you know. I have a lot of people on this podcast from, you know, doctors that swear by conventional medicine and doctors that maybe are more Eastern medicine focused. Um, and I really sit in the middle. I think there is a time and place for everything. If I have something going on and I need to take antibiotics, I, I'm going to do it. You know, I, I, I do believe in the prevention though of certain things coming up with focusing on my emotional state of being like I've experienced things, um, as well, you know, emotionally that, that trigger something in my body. Like years ago, I started getting these, um, you know, reoccurring yeast infections like constantly. And I wasn't eating any sugar at the time and it was so awful, but then I had to deal with something emotionally. And, and I ended up actually, um, doing a few things with a conventional doctor as well, getting off of uh, hormonal birth control weirdly helped me, I think, um, you know, you never know if you're doing a bunch of things at once, but, um, I had to, you know, go through a few things emotionally as well. And, and they kind of went away. So it, it's interesting to see the difference between everyone's experiences. And I agree with you. There's not a one size fits all option. And I really like how you kind of bridge the gap between all of these concepts. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that you got better from that. And I was lucky in that way. And I say lucky because, Again, I, I don't want to take credit for anything, but I'll, I'm off all seven of those medications that my doctors told me I would have to take for the rest of my life, and I've never felt better. Um, but a lot of that is because I, I think a lot of that is because I quit my job in the hospital, and I was no longer under that chronic repetitive stress response of, you know, 72-hour call shifts and just one emergency after another and, and the moral injury of knowing that I was sort of selling out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm absolutely on board with you around that sort of standing on the bridge. And I've never seen, I've never seen the sort of camps of like the pro science, pro conventional medicine camp and the anti science sort of anti medicine new agers. I've never seen them more polarized as they have been during COVID, right? You've got, and, and certainly during COVID, I have, I have sided more with the public health officials, like, I am triple vaccinated. I have been masking and locked down and social distancing and obeying public health measures because most of my clients are and friends are doctors on the front lines of COVID and like this shit's real. Um, 
And, you know, vaccination saves lives. So, but I watched a lot of the people that I studied with in my sacred medicine book go full on COVID is a hoax, conspiracy theory, anti-vax, denialism, um, to the point of having blood on their hands in in my humble opinion. I mean, there are doctors like Kelly Brogan and Christiane Northrup who, in my opinion, have blood on their hands. So I, I don't feel bad saying their names out loud. These are people that I used to know and ally with. Um, what do you so, think caused such a divide? Um, you know, obviously differing opinions that I'd love to know your take on the world situation on the big divide. You know, everyone's saying there's more um, division than ever in the world today. And and you as someone that is also spiritual and believes in conventional medicine, what, what, what do you think your solution, I guess, could be to align everybody and, and not make it such a fight anymore? Well, I, I guess, first of all, I think there are some things we can't you know, people say this, like people who follow me on Facebook, because I've been quite contrarian during the past two years. Um, and people are sometimes like, Lissa, don't take such a firm stand. You're polarizing. We should unify. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Some of the issues that have come up in the past two years, there is only one right side. Like there is only one right side of social justice and civil rights issues. Like the the other side is wrong. It's like, how do you unify if you're in pre-World War II Nazi Germany, right? Like you're either hiding the Jews to save their lives and risking your life, or you're allying with the Nazis. And there's only, we can look back and say there was only one right side of history. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. So, it, so it's tricky because I do stand on the bridge and I write in sacred medicine, I write all about the paradoxes of healing and for many things, I think we, I think it's really important to hold both and. And then there are some things where there isn't a both and. So, for example, I'll, I'll read you some of the paradoxes of healing from sacred medicine. You can heal yourself and you can't do it alone. Keep an open mind and don't be so open your brains fall out. Be clear in your intention to heal and surrender attachment to outcomes. Trust your intuition and follow the science and apply critical thinking. Believe in magic and miracles and avoid indulging in magical thinking and denial. Learn to hold the both and paradoxical nature of reality and be willing to take a firm stand for the one right side of social justice issues. So it, so I think it's tricky um, because I am a big fan of like all the world's all the medicines from the world's medicine bag should be considered if somebody is on a healing journey and one medicine isn't working like absolutely i don't see any reason to choose between conventional medicine functional medicine natural medicine nutritional medicine energy healing you know trauma therapy all of these are medicines that impact the body and if one isn't working, try the next one, you know. Um, and I don't see those in any way as competing with each other or um, canceling each other out. Like, it was interesting because I run a program called the Whole Health Medicine Institute where I've been training healthcare providers for going on nine years now in some of these kinds of medicines. And we had one year, it was so interesting because we had like conventional medical doctors that were coming in sick. 
and conventional medicine had fail, failed to heal them. And we had chiropractors that were coming in with back pain and chiropractic medicine had failed to get rid of their back pain. And we had energy healers who were coming in with, you know, autoimmune disease and energy medicine had failed to help their autoimmune disease. And they all were kind of in the same room together in a retreat and realizing that if they wanted to get any relief, they might have to like venture into enemy camp. And it was like, we were able to make a joke about it. It was like, guys, why, what in the world is making you think that just because you practice one kind of medicine, that there's anything wrong with going in, going to another healer who practices a different kind of medicine? Like there's no, there's no shame in that. Mm -hmm. And so they all started like crossing camps and everybody started getting better. And we, we, like, we, we were laughing about it. It was like, come on, people. Like, stop being so fucking, sorry. That's all good. Stop being so prideful and arrogant. Um, like, humble yourself on your knees in front of the mystery of healing and be willing to try whatever works. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, like I was touching on before, it's really bio-individuality and all of us have different beliefs and different processes and ways of thinking. And at the end of the day, not everyone in the world is going to agree on everything. And and I think that's okay. And I think you bring a very positive, um, you know, opinion in, in this matter. It's, it's really just you do you and, and try things that you might not have considered before and it might shock you. Um, absolutely. So I would love to know just to bring it back to your book because it's launching in, I believe, April, 2022 sacred medicine. I'd, I'd love to know who the book is for in your opinion, you know, who is this book written for and what can people get out of reading it? Well, I really wrote it because I have such a soft spot in my heart for particularly the often female um, patients with mystery illnesses, you know, the people who have not been able to get a diagnosis or they've been given a diagnosis that has been labeled, quote unquote, incurable or untreatable. Um, they've done everything right. They've efforted to the best of their ability to do everything that they possibly can to find relief from their symptoms. I'm thinking of, you know, like some of the people that I was working with in my functional medicine practice, these were people that had, you know, diagnoses like fibromyalgia or chronic pain syndromes or autoimmune diseases or neurologic um, diseases or chronic Lyme or now long COVID. Um, these very difficult to treat kind of chronic illnesses that often impact relatively young people um, who are often very motivated. They're often trying everything. They're, they're working so hard on getting their diet right. They're, they're, they're trying all the new age spirituality types of tools. They're meditating. They're doing yoga. They're eating a pristine diet. They're, they've tried to get off all their bad habits. They're, they're seeing their doctors. They're doing what conventional medicine has to offer. And they're also, you know, exploring alternative medicine and kind of going down that rabbit hole. And they're just finding themselves um, getting worse. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I really, and, and I certainly can't promise those people that I've got the cure in this book, but I do hope that there are some things that people can experiment with just to see. I'm, I'm all for like trial and error. Like 
try something, see if you get any relief. Mm-hmm. And I also really care about, I also wrote the book for anyone who, um, who is working with the chronically or terminally ill. So doctors, nurses, um, alternative medicine practitioners, energy healers, uh, I wrote it for them as well. Uh, as well as for people who have loved ones that are chronically ill. I think it's mm. it's very hard sometimes to stay in a place of real empathy with people that suffer in that way. And we have a tendency, and this is doctors are especially guilty of that. And I I know that I have been guilty of this too. That, you know, we have a tendency to instead of just being with people suffering and easing the loneliness of that isolation and pain, you know, we have a tendency to try to fix them or give them advice or say, try this or do this or to silver lining it or spiritual bypassing it or, you know, try to make oversimplify some story like, oh, well, maybe your soul chose to make you suffer this way so that you could, you know, become a more enlightened being or we we just don't know. And I, I really think that some suffering is so great that it can't be cured. It can only be carried. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really, um, I hope that people who read it will come away from it feeling like they can be a safer, more compassionate, more gentle witness to anyone who is suffering. And if somebody is suffering themselves, I hope they can become that compassionate witness for themselves mm-hmm. to just hold space for that and and be with it and to sort of prostrate ourselves before the mystery of healing because there are there are stories of things that sound impossible and they do happen but they don't happen to everybody and i think i think sometimes the quest like i use the language in sacred medicine of making yourself miracle prone and we can almost try too hard to make ourselves miracle prone right because then what happens if you don't get your miracle like what story do you tell yourself like, I'm not good enough. I'm not pious enough. I haven't meditated hard enough. My thinking isn't positive enough. I haven't manifested my cure, like, with enough gusto. Like, all of those stories are not healing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to read the book. I <laughs> truly can't wait. Hopefully, I don't know if you have any copies before the April 22 release, um, but I'd love to get my hands on one and, and start reading it. I think it's going to be just such a powerful book and, and very helpful for everyone, especially in this time in the world. And I can't wait to to read more about your teachings and everything that you believe. You've been such an amazing guest, Lissa. Honestly, thank you so much for coming on. I love having these types of conversations and getting different perspectives on the podcast. And um, I'd really love to stay in touch. So can you let everyone know where to find you online, where to buy your book and, you know, just share where they can connect with you further? Sure. Well, my main website is my name, L-I-S-S-A-R-A-N-K-I-N.com, LissaRankin.com. And the, we have a website for the book, thesacredmedicinebook.com. Um, and you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram. And I don't do much on Twitter, but I'm on Twitter as well. So, yeah, I'm pretty active on Facebook. That's sort of where a lot of the conversations about these, you know, challenging issues take place. And I really appreciate the community there for crowdsourcing a lot of these conversations because I really listen. I really listen. And I appreciate I appreciate being challenged by by people who might disagree with something that I've said, you know, or, or, or think that I'm not being 
as empathic as I could be. So I, I think really that's kind of how we cult proof our communities. We have to, we have to be leaders who are willing to be challenged and willing to be, you know, respectfully corrected um, if we are not sensitive in the way that we're delivering our messaging. So I would love to invite people to just be part of those conversations. I'm, I'm currently in the process of um, launching a nonprofit that we started a year ago called Heal at Last, where we're trying to democratize healing and, you know, address the sort of health equity issues. Because unfortunately, a lot of the medicines that we talk about in books like Sacred Medicine, Mind Over Medicine, um, unfortunately, a lot of these medicines are luxury goods currently. They're, you know, like the practice that I was doing in 2009 was a cash-based practice. Um, we didn't accept health insurance. You, If you're on public assistance, like we didn't accept that. And so we're trying to create circles of healing where we can kind of make it like 12-step is for people that are in recovery from addictions. Um, we're inviting people who are in recovery from illness, injury, or trauma, because addiction is one trauma symptom, but chronic illness is another trauma symptom. And there are many other trauma symptoms that, you know, we're trying to find ways to make that affordable, sort of by donation only or free. Um, so if anybody is sort of wanting to um, stay on track with that, you can get on a mailing list at healatlast.org which is the nonprofit that we're working on. We're still getting, we're still gearing up to start training group leaders and um, open up these healing circles for people that might not otherwise be able to afford to, you know, in, to experience the cutting edge kinds of, of sacred medicines that I've been privileged enough to enjoy. So I really care about that sort of social justice and health equity issue as well. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Lissa, you have been a treat to speak to. Thank you so much again for having on. And I can't wait to read your book. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Mimi. And again, to, to anybody who's listening and especially to anybody who might be suffering from the impact of chronic illness, I just send my whole heart to you. <laughs>